Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I am your super dope host with the most, Coach Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead mountain dog diet trainer. Chris, how are we doing today? Doing great, awesome. man. Just got back from a week or so back from vacation, and I'm refreshed and ready yeah, to Yeah, I was actually gone for a week as well on a work trip and visiting my son and uh, getting back into the training this week myself. Got a little sick yesterday. I must have got caught a bug either from my son or uh, on the trip home, and these airplanes are just cesspools. I seem to get a lot of little viruses traveling on these damn planes, but um, I... Uh, was pretty hurting yesterday. Today I'm okay. So uh, the show must go on. We actually um, <laughs> talking about today's episode number 23 is um, the mental component uh, and how big the mental component is in, in bodybuilding and sport in general. So training, I don't care whether you're on the field, on the mat, um, play some kind of sport collegiate or recreationally or professionally or your bodybuilding as an amateur or an IFBB pro, the mental component to training, uh, we feel is the biggest part of the equation, the biggest metric that you have to measure how you're going to improve as a bodybuilder um, or an athlete. And before we get into all of that, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the progressive resistance uh argument. We had some follow-up questions on the, our Q&A, um, the bro science versus science. Uh, Chris, you want to start us off there? Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, you know, I've, got, I've gotten a lot of response from that episode um, where essentially Greg and I just planned to go head-to-head and uh, argue points. And one of the questions that I got from multiple people uh, was about the progressive resistance versus the volume. And one that sticks out in particular, one of my clients, Yashin, um, he uh, he asked me, he said, man, I'm doing Colossus right now. I really love it because it's forcing me to do progressive overload. And if any of you guys pay attention to the Mountain Dog training programs, uh, the newest one that we have released is a modified version of progressive resistance um, of a style we're calling Mountain Dog 3.0. Right. And it's a six-week program where your goal is to literally get stronger on it's about seven different core exercises over the course of your week. So he's doing that. He's loving it. And and what's really funny is he connects with that more mentally, meaning he enjoys that training style. But what has helped his physique grow the most in the last year and a half has been volume work. Right. And, you know, we, we took this six weeks. Uh, he's finishing up week six now on that program. And then we're going to go. He asked me, he said, what's next, man? And I said, I, we need to get back to that volume. Because honestly, even though you love this style of training, the volume is what's really been around in his physique out. And so he asked me, he was like, I love this because I can physically get stronger and, tr- and track it. And, you know, that's some, a, a myth I want to kind of dispel. And I'm going to give you guys some hard examples um, when I started with John, um, any of you guys who've done his programs know there's a handful of exercises we do on a weekly basis. And one of those uh, that we do week in and week out is incline barbell right. press. When, when I started with him, I was doing 245 pounds for six to eight, depending upon the day. Yeah. I've gotten as high as 365 for 10. Um, 
And if you know any of his programs, I followed them all to the T. So they're all volume programs. So if you look just simply at that exercise of me starting with him at 245, going up as high as 365, um, even if you look at what I do now, which is comfortably 315 for 8 yep. to 10, I can do 335 for anywhere between 6 and 8. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I've clearly gotten stronger yet had a volume right. approach. So I just wanted to kind of dispel that myth that just because you're doing volume doesn't mean your weights can increase. You're going to go up as that goes. So, yeah. So I'm going to use the example of the Olympic lifters and a lot, uh, a lot of what these international teams do these days to make themselves stronger is they actually have a volume approach. It's the first time, it's probably within the last five to 10 years that this has taken place, but the Chinese and a bunch of the teams actually will do sets of six and eight and 10 reps during certain parts of their training. Whereas before four and five reps was absolute max for them. Now what they're finding within the weight classes um, is a bigger muscle uh, will equate to a stronger muscle. Um, and so they're, they're training for size to a certain extent and get a little bit bigger, which in turn then makes them stronger and, and able to get up, you know, more poundage in their lifts. And, and we're talking about absolute strength, uh, competitors and people that do one rep maxes, they have six lifts, they get three chances at the clean and jerk and three chances at the snatch, um, six total lifts. And um, this is the way they're training. So I, I do agree with you uh, to a certain extent. Um, there, there is some, there is some, uh, I think if you look at a lot of bodybuilders, there are some big, strong freaking dudes. And they're some of the strongest guys on the earth. Um, and, 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 you know, by and large, we train in a volume manner. I think the marrying of the two things, mm -hmm. it's funny you brought up your guy because my life coaching client down in Fallbrook, California, just started Colossus, bought it off the uh, website. And he said, you know what? He said, you, you've had me do all these other ones previously. I've bought all the previous, you know, the Creeping Death and the Gamma Bomb and the Team U. And he's done all these ones. He loves... He loves, you know, John's programs, but he said the way that we used to train right. 15 years ago, as I used to train this guy a long time ago, um, is, you know, I used to, I used to implement, you know, some pure strength training and some low rep stuff. And we did some old Pavel Totsalin, like real low volume, real high weight deadlifts and squats and cleans. And he, he said, since he started Colossus, he immediately went up a couple pounds and he goes, I think I like this program the best overall. So just kind of give some feedback on Colossus as well. And, uh, I, I think, I, I think there is a marrying of the two. I don't think you throw out the baby with the bathwater with, with, if you do implement progressive, uh, resistance, and or with volume, uh, either way. I think they both can be uh, beneficial. I, I think you implement both into your training. And, and if you look at the Olympic lifters and look at the bodybuilders, there's a marrying of the two. I think volume, by and large, is going to get your muscles bigger on a week-to-week, month-to-month 
program to program basis. What what I guess I want to get across to people is, you know, in the video I posted yesterday on Instagram is a perfect example of that. When I started with John, I never would have dreamed of doing 120 pound dumbbells on incline for 20 or 20 more more than 20 reps. Yeah. Like, and I, by no means do do we intentionally chase strength on incline dumbbell press, but that has that has went up each year for me. Right. Doing a volume based approach, um, you know, 120s for six to eight were hard when I started with him. If you put 150s in my hand and put a, held a gun to my head, I could probably do them for 10, maybe 12. Um, so, I mean, th- that's the point I wanted to get across is just because you guys choose a volume route doesn't mean you need to abandon getting stronger. Because if you train hard enough, the weights you use in your hand are going to get going to get go up. Yeah. And that's all the point Ab- I wanted to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you're a prime example over the last four or five years of putting six to eight to 10 pounds probably in your best years, lean body mass on every year. So, I mean, you, you've gone from 200 to 210 to 220 to 230 to, to probably being able to bring a stage weight of, you know, 225 now or close to when, when you get back uh, into a prep. Um, and, and, you, and you weren't there four or five years ago. So your volume approach has gotten you stronger. Oh, no. your, your incline bench has gone up at least a hundred pounds, um, maybe more. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, but behind that, you're also 25 pounds bigger and, right. uh, <laughs> with lean tissue. But this is, you got to understand guys that, you know, Chris has been able to achieve this because over the past four or five years, this fucking guy does not miss meals. This guy recovers like a champ. He, he lives like a big cat. He writes programs, he works out, he comes back, he takes naps, he kicks it with his kids. He, he, he lives the lifestyle and, and um, you know, a lot of people, that's kind of what we're kind of going to get into a little bit is the mental versus physical comparison and physical limitations, mental capacity. So I want to talk a little bit about physical capacity and then how the mental aspect kind of ties into that. So, you know, energy became defined most simply as the capacity to do work. And our training process begins at the physical level because, you know, the foundation of performance and uh, what we're doing when we lift and, and, and or, you know, doing an athletic sport is physical in nature. Um, what, what, what you're going to find out with this and the approach of a lot of high-performance coaches and uh, sports science psychologists is, uh, and I'm going to give you an example of a guy by the name of Dr. Jim Lohr. Jim Lohr works with um, LGE, which is out of Florida, which trains a bunch of professional athletes. He got popular um, teaching Andre Agassi. Uh, and working at the Baltari Tennis Academy, they tr- train soccer, high-level t- soccer players, professional athletes, tennis players, and sports of a lot of different, um, uh, a lot of different sports, and, and they represent athletes. So they're they're an agency that represents athletes, but then they have sports psychologists behind them because of the mental fucking game is so big. They hired these doctors to help out the athletes because this is big money. These guys get big contracts. And one of the things that uh, you want to talk about when you're maxing out your physical capacity is the mental component that goes into that. 
So above that, you've got you've got spiritual capacity, your mental capacity, emotional capacity, and then the physical capacity is this is the lesser in the uh, part of the the pyramid. And spiritual capacity doesn't mean it, it doesn't necessarily connotate a religious thing. It's 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 your motivation, right? It's your determination, your endurance, um, what you believe, and then the mental capacity focuses on the physical and the emotional energy on the task at hand. Uh, the emotional capacity creates the internal climate that drives the ideal performance state, and then the physical capacity at the end builds endurance and promotes mental and emotional recovery. So what what I guess I'm driving at here is if you don't have the mental capacity to be able to push yourself beyond self-perceived limitations, your your physical is not going to get better. Do you, would you agree with that? Without a doubt, man. If you can't dial in yeah. mentally, your body's not going to follow in the story. Right. To me, uh, they, they, they talk about rituals from the emotional and the spiritual and the mental. So the rituals are your basic strategies for renewing energy at the physical level. It's funny because I thought about this with you. And uh, there, there's, there's, there's some uh, doctors that are called chronobiologists that have found that the body's hormones, glucose, and blood pressures drops every 90 minutes or so. And by failing to seek recovery and overriding these body's natural stress arrest cycles, overall capacity is compromised. So how, how do you do that? What do we do to seek out recovery every 90 to 120 minutes? So eating a meal, hydrating yourself, you know, taking naps, and even even taking a mental break and doing some deep breathing a couple times a day will, will help recover the body in this manner. So then the, you mentally are making yourself physically stronger because you're able to recover from the stresses you're putting on your body. And that's physical stress. That's mental stress. All this shit ties together in, in being able to recover and become a better athlete or a better bodybuilder. If you short shrift yourself with these rituals, if you don't go to bed at the same time, so ideally you want to go to bed early and wake up early, right? So to get these things done. And most people have busy busy lifestyles where yep. they need to get their kids up or do cardio before their kids go to school or get their workout in, you know, before they eat uh, or, or what have you, you know, men, women, people with kids, parents, um, you have to maintain a consistent bedtime and wake up time and regular, regular sleep cycles are going to help you regulate your, your biological clock and increase the likelihood that you're going to recover from your training. Um, but, but I think those little rituals every day, and I think you're a prime example of this because you eat at time intervals. So five to six meals a day, drinking water, hydrating yourself, taking time out to de-stress and, and recover, whether that means 15 minutes of deep breathing twice a day or going to a yoga class a couple times a week or sitting down reading a book or playing with your yep. you know, son or daughter or uh, you know, some downtime with your wife or significant other or a friend, even socializing 
is part of this recovery. If you live a day-to-day basis, stress the fuck out, and you wake up in a scramble, and you start these tasks, and you run behind on shit, and you got a million things to do, and you not and you don't organize your day, and organize these rest recovery periods, you're 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 not probably going to be a really good athlete or a pr- pretty good bodybuilder. And and I, I am the first to admit, um, I I do this, and uh, just to kind of give you guys a background. And, uh, of myself, <laughs> I've had a bunch of injuries last few years that I've spoke about before. I went through a huge custody case over my son and I, and I, I make no bones about, um, that being in my life and that, that, and I did that. I, I actually went through that when I was going through my prep in 2017, the summer and it stressed me the fuck out. I was probably just a big cortisol mess by the time we did our shows over depleted, over dieted. And going through a very stressful uh, time in my life, I've since uh, gotten rid of that stress, um, and I've learned to manage it, and I've learned to recover in a in a, in a better manner, and and get a lot of that stuff out of my life. But I, I think a lot of people can relate to that out there, and should be able to relate to being overstressed and and have too many things to do, and kids, and work, and you know, relationships and things that just bog them the fuck down. And you got to find a happy medium in your life to balance all that shit. And um, what, what do you think about that? Here's a great segue, man. Um, because even though I did some of the best growing um, while I worked in a corporate gym as a fitness manager, um, so I did a fairly good job of managing that stress of work. But... I'm not going to lie to you guys and say, oh, it was, it was all peaches and rainbows because if any of you guys have worked in a sales job, um, and that's what my job was, even though people viewed it as all I did was training all day, what I really did was sell training all day. And that stress of every time the first of the month hit, and no matter how much you sold for that company, yeah. it started over the next month. And yeah. it was always, okay, well, you sold you know $200,000 of training last month. What are you doing this month? Right. And I would love to tell you I didn't let that get to me, but sometimes you look at those sales goals, and I would it would just it'd be overwhelming at first, you know, especially you know because it's the first of each month, it's you're starting at zero, and that was one of the biggest things I felt relief from when I started working with John, is he said I never want you to feel pressure, um, in terms of you have to sell this much, you have to do that, like that's not how we operate. People come to us for service. And if we do our job effectively and efficiently, that's something we'll never have to worry about. And, you know, that was a huge stress relief for me. Now, all the stress I put on myself is just self-induced and it's positive stress because I have high expectations for my clients. Um, I have high expectations for the work that I put out. And, you know, Greg, that's something you and I talk about on a regular basis. I'm always, I always say, listen, I don't stress out about a lot of things in life. Um, And the things that do stress me out that I can eliminate, I I completely eliminate Nathan because it's not, it's not important. It literally is holding me back from reaching my maximum potential in business, my maximum potential as a father and husband, my maximum potential as a bodybuilder. And that's something I've encouraged you to do and really take a steps of, Hey, what do you do that you enjoy that causes you stress relief? For me, um, I just posted this on Instagram story the other day. I, I sit back on my back patio have a gorgeous view of the mountains and it's great weather here right now. It's like yeah. you know, mid seventies, low eighties and like I'll foam roll, I'll stretch, I'll just do some meditation. Um, 
you know, it, it it's something that you have to do. For me, Epsom salt baths are extremely de-stressing. Yeah. Um, I'll go to YouTube and put on my phone. I'll do like sounds of a rainforest or like waves crashing on a beach. I'll, you know, turn my phone off onto an airplane mode so where I don't have any distractions or, you know, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, my emails going off, my text messages are going off. Like, you know, that's something to me that I feel like we stress out as a society about is social media. You know, we're always looking at it. We're, you know, responding to messages, we're responding to clients. Um, and for me, that can be overwhelming at times. And sometimes I just have to turn my phone off. And then the example is you gave of, you know, playing with your kids, spending time with your time with your significant other. Those are all great ways to de-stress. Um, yeah. Something else that I personally do, I like playing Xbox. <laughs> I'm a big kid. So I like going on there and killing people in Call of Duty or Halo. Oh, really? I didn't fun. know that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I'm a giant kid when it comes to that. So yeah. Ty and I play Xbox all the time um, when I'm not working. And that's a great way to de-stress because literally you're tired up, your mind's wrapped up in that game, whatever you're playing, and um, you don't think about other things. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's th- those are some awesome uh, re- recovery things. And I know also for you, I think I saw a post not too long ago about how much love you have for your son and, and, and both your kids. But I know that's a big de-stressor for you too, just playing with your son. Oh man, without a doubt. Because it, it brings you joy. Yep. You, you you know, it's a family member. You love it. When I get together with my son, it's like time stops. Oh God, yeah. And we just become one together. We have a blast and, you know, we laugh and we look at each other and I have a good time with him. I make sure he does fun shit. Right. And um, so that's... That's, that's, that's huge guys. You you know, for your, for your kids, I I saw a really cool, it was a really cool post. It was a dad walking with his son and the top captain that said, the father said to his son, be careful where you walk. And he said, the son looked at him and said, no, you be careful because I walk in your footsteps. Right. And like that raising two boys to become great men um, is extremely de-stressful to me because again, as you guys know, not only in my opinion, is that a huge goal of mine um, is to raise two high quality men. Um, like That's huge. And, and like you said, it's de-stressful to play with them and have fun with them, whether it be physical or just, you know, watch a movie or whatever. Right. Like that's huge. So let me get back into uh, mental capacity. And one of the aspects of mental capacity is the spiritual. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let me define that. Um, spiritual capacity is me, simply means that the energy that is unleashed by tapping into one's deepest values and defining a strong sense of purpose. So this capacity, you know, they found basically serves as the face into, you know, how you face adversity, um, your deeper sense of motivation, focus, determination, and resilience. So it's, it's how you dig through, you know, becoming a better athlete. What drives you at the end of the day? What gets you up in the morning to, to work out and do twice a day workouts or work out, you know, at 5am do cardio. Um, and you know, what, what drives the Michael Jordans, uh, to, you know, take, 300 free throws and 500 shots a day, the Tiger Woods to get up and hit 300 drives and 300 putts every morning. 
uh, to become the best golfer on the planet. And, and you'll see it again and again. It doesn't matter what the sport is. If you're talking about bodybuilding, if you're talking about basketball, if you're talking about football, it, it's, it's, it's the same thing over and over. And I'm not saying that these people don't have genetics on their side. Because if you look at the Phil Heaths, if you look at the Dorian Yates, if you look at the Ronnie Coleman's, if you look at the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, Tiger Woods, these guys are fucking specimens. They're athletes. But what drives Tiger Woods to have overcome, you know, uh, these addictions that he had, several back surgeries, a knee surgery, spinal fucking fusion to come back and win the Masters at the age of 43? That is not his mental game got him to win that fifth green jacket. It's not his physical game and that he's that much more physically talented than the rest of these guys. He is fucking tough as nails to be able to go through all that shit. That would have buried a lot of golfers having back, you know, multiple back surgeries and spinal fusion and knee surgeries. And, you know, two years ago, this guy was caught on the side of the road, loaded up on Ambien, loaded up on painkillers, didn't know where the fuck he was, was going through all these problems, went through a, a big divorce, uh, a big big breakup from from the Swedish gal he was dating, Elaine Norden or whatever, whatever the fuck her name was. He was going through some shit, man. And he overcame all this stuff. And, and that's my point is if you don't have that innate driving factor that pushes you through mentally the the physical the physical is a lesser lesser valued metric in this whole equation it's it's your mental capacity and you know you can take it back i i trained this guy so i trained this lady that's 94 fucking years old her husband called me who's 96 this guy was a prisoner of war in world war ii and i don't even know how many of those are still alive and, um, well, this guy's 96 years old. His name's Ken. I trained his wife, Nancy. And the only reason I even took on this client is because this 96 year old guy called me and said, can you help me, help me and help my wife? Nothing else has helped. And I, I need, I need somebody to help me. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to come help you. My point is this guy was in a prisoner of war, a Nazi, uh, uh, prisoner of war, um, locked up for six months and I, and, and he's got a fused knee. He kicks it around on a walker. And I thought to myself, how the fuck did you get through that? How, how the fuck do people live through the Holocaust that were in these concentration camps? And, 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 and the only reason it's, it's mental. If you don't let it break you and then, and then, you know, if you can't bust through a pain threshold doing five sets of fucking legs, and you've got these people getting through prison camps and concentration camps and 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 surviving, and you know it, it, the mental trumps the physical every fucking time. If you put things into perspective in your life, you put things into perspective in your training, and dig in and find your spiritual capacity and how you can push through this shit. That's uh. And, and I don't even know why I get so fired up about this because it I, I, it just fires me up. But if you can't do that, then you know I, I you 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 said you said something you said something huge there, and it, it kind of like resonates with me, right? So what you want to think about is 
the difference, in my opinion, of people that achieve success and then are short-lived versus the greats like you talked about, right? Like Tiger Woods, like Michael Jordan, like those guys, right? They achieve success and they immediately go to what's next. They don't really celebrate, right? You watch them, you know, win the NBA championship. They're crying. They're kissing the trophy. On the way home from the arena, I guarantee you they're, they're thinking about what's next. How do I win number seven? How do I win the next one? How do I win the one after that? And something I saw really, really cool, the last national championship that Nick Saban won against Clemson, um, they interview him after the game, right? And she's and the lady interview him and says, what are you going to do to celebrate? And he goes, I don't know. I have recruits to call tonight. Like he had just won a national championship and he's already planning for the next year football season, right? Like he doesn't even give himself a chance to, to celebrate and bask in that glory. And that's one of those things like, I know that I'm guilty of personally with clients is, you know, when you won that Washington State show, I said, great job, great job, man. Enjoy tonight. But starting tomorrow morning, we're back to work for Masters Nationals. When you finish Masters Nationals, you had one day to relax. And then I said, let's formulate a game plan for what we're going to do in the offseason. Like you do a short lived victory. You let everybody pat you on your back. You, you know, you have some enjoyable food. You, you you know, celebrate the hard work. But then to me, that next day when you wake up, it's time to get back to working on what's next. And that to me is, that's mental capacity. That's mental toughness. That's what you're speaking about is, you know, so many people, they get some little short-lived success, whether that be they lose, eventually lose 20 pounds of fat. And they're like, oh man, let's go eat a cheat meal and celebrate. What cheat meal turns into a cheat week. And the next thing you know, all that 20 pounds of hard work that you did is gone. Um, you know, you can't let off the gas if greatness is what you're after. And to me, that's what you're getting at. And that was the first time I had ever done back-to-back shows. Um, and I got to tell you, given everything else that was going on in my life at that time, that was the hardest, one of the hardest fucking things I've ever done, uh, was, was the mental capacity to be able to do a show, get very elated, win my class, win the overall title, the state title in Washington state. Um, and then turn back around, get back into the training, go zero carbs, two hours of cardio to be able to make weight for masters nationals and, and keep together mentally. And I don't, I think I had a few, shortcomings. I don't think I fully executed mass. Not, not that it, you know, third rounds of call outs, you know, and, and me executing perfectly, perfectly mentally would have got me into the top five. I think there was a, you know, just, I don't think I was quite ready as far as development wise and where I was in my bodybuilding. It was a really fucking hard show. I had 32 people in my class. And, uh, just to give you a little example, I was, Standing behind, we were, I was like number fifth or sixth to go on on stage um, and prejudging. And I was, there was this you know, really built black guy right in front of me. And he was the Kentucky state champion. Um, and he was looking in front and behind him. And it's light heavyweight class. And everybody's fucking gnarly and in shape. And he goes, man, I just won the state title in, in the state of Kentucky. And I said, I, I know. I just won the state title in the state of Washington. He goes, I don't even know if I'm in a place. He goes, this is some fucking serious company. I go, bro, this is nationals. This is, this is the, this is the real deal. And, um, you know, you realize when you get to that level into that stage, how much more you have to level up your game, how much more 
you know, mental capacity. You got to dig into your training to get on that level and compete with those guys. Um, and, and, and to be able to get your pro card and, um, you know, not to knock any other divisions, but, but bodybuilding is one of the tough, toughest ones there is out there. And at masters nationals, uh, there are some guys in these different classes that have been training for 20, 30 years. And there's a lot of mature muscle, uh, at these shows. Don't think that it's, it's, it's a ton easier than the other national shows just because it's masters nationals, especially at the bodybuilding, um, divisions. It's, it's, it's fucking tough. Listen, there's a reason that very, very few people go to their first competition and win the overall and, yeah. and they go to nationals or, I mean, a, you know, a pro qualifier and win on their first shot. Like not only do I think you need to mentally mature as a competitor or an athlete, you know, it's no different than it's in the NFL. You know, there's a difference between playing in high school versus college versus playing in the NFL. Like there's a reason very few rookies in the NFL succeed. Um, and that's because they aren't mentally mature enough to embrace a, that level of dedication and confidence and um, maturity it takes to perform at that kind of level. You know, the first time you compete at a national level show is, is nerve wracking. You get back there and, you know, you look around and you take it in. And next thing you know, you're like, man, I don't belong here. Um, I don't have enough muscle. I don't have, I'm not lean enough. And even though you may be, your body doesn't follow if your mind second guesses. And I've watched physiques crumble because they don't have that mental capacity and that mental toughness and strength to succeed. A prime example of that, just to interject really quick. Yeah. Um, how many times have you heard about athletes that have the same, they, they're, they're running the same like macros and food and water and they come down into the last week, the peak week, and they start freaking out and throwing all kinds of shit, different shit in. They drop their salt. They drop their carbs. They add fat. They, they, they drop their water too low. They start taking too many diuretics. And they freak out because they think they want to, that they need to do all this extra shit to peak out when, when you're ready a week or two before the show, you got to cruise into this motherfucker. You can't, you can't start freaking out and doing all these different things because your body's going to freak out and, 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 and it's not going to respond correctly. And you're most likely going to come in flat or you're not going to fill up or any, and, and, and I think people don't listen always to their coaches and they start doing their own thing um, and start throwing different things because they read online or they're on these boards or they, this person did this and this person did that. And I need to do this. And you know, they're, they're like a 180 pound, you know, physique guy, and you know, following something that some bodybuilder did who's 280 pounds like 15 years ago. <laughs> and right. it's like apples to oranges and the techniques were different. What they did were different. The bodies are different. You know, how much water this guy had or, you know, I, I think people don't by and large uh, overthink and then start making irrational decisions when, when it comes yep. into coming into a show. Oh, without a doubt. And they, they let their nerves get the best of them. Um, and even though they'll, they'll tell you, man, I'm so chill. I, I'm ready. I got this. Like, you know, a lot of people train to win. And when you're around your, you know, inner circle of friends or your training partners or your family, most of those people are going to tell you how great they look, right? How great you look. 
um, you're ready, you're going to win. And, you know, you read all this stuff that's motivational on social media and you get that mindset of, man, I'm going to win. I'm, I'm training harder than everyone else. But then you get to that show and you're like, oh, shit, there's 15, 20 other guys who's been training just as hard, if not harder than me, and been dieting yeah. just as hard, who's been doing just as amount of cardio. Just because you don't see them day to day in your gym or, you know, at, around your neighborhood doesn't mean there aren't people out there doing it. So it's like a shell shock because you go from being the biggest, freakiest dude in your gym to suddenly you just blend into the crowd, right? Right. And then you kind of have this like body dysmorphia thing going on where, you know, even though you, I've, I've had guys look incredible, strip down, they look bananas and they're like, man, I don't look good at all. And then they start playing like mind games. And then you might say, you might see them like over in the corner, like pounding donuts or drinking water <laughs> because they're thirsty. I mean, because listen, you know what it's like when you're backstage and you're cotton mouth and all you want is something to drink, right? Right. I mean, it, th that's one of the hardest things of show day to me is if you restrict water, not drinking water or drinking fluid. And, you know, you still got to get your meals in. But if you restrict water, that's the worst part. And, you know, so you start drinking water or you have some Gatorade or you know, something. And the next thing you know, it just starts to snowball and you start getting more freaked out and you start pumping up and there's all these guys around you and they're stripped down and you're looking at them like, oh my God, they're so big. But you don't realize from the outside perspective, you're just as big, if not bigger. So right. you self-sabotage because you're like, oh my God, did I do everything I was supposed to? Oh, do I, I forgot something. What time is it? When do I go on stage? When's this class over, how many more people are in front of me? And you hear like the expediters screaming stuff, you, you know, light heavies to, to pump up, light, you know, uh, middleweights to, to oil, lightweight to, uh, to line up. And you start freaking out because guess what? You've prepared for 12 to 20 weeks and everything yeah. has been on your schedule. Well, guess what? Suddenly you're on their schedule and you can't yeah. control when you go on because listen, there might be a bikini class of a hundred in front of you. How long is that going to take? I have no clue. They don't either. Right. So that may take right. 20 minutes. It may take an hour and a half. Um, so it's all these things. And listen, you've been and done so many shows. You know what it's like backstage. And each time you do it, in my opinion, you get a little bit more comfortable with it. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a comfortableness. And then yep. at the bigger levels that you do, you know, regionals, nationals, state, little, you know, little local shows. Um, you get that comfortability and yep. next time I go to, but you also, you, you realize, you know, you, you get rid of the illusions of grandeur in your head. Once you face top competition, what, what it really takes mentally and physically to be at that level. So, you know, yeah. I, I have plans to, and I know Chris has plans to step back on stage. I have plans to step back on stage. I want to do the North Americans uh, last week in August. I don't know if I'm going to be ready. I don't know if my shoulders and arms have come up enough where I can even step on and be competitive and know that I can place top five or be competitive enough to win the show. And if I, if I, and, 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 and Chris, uh, and you know, if I talk to Mark or John or, you know, anybody else, and that's even a question in anybody's mind, chances are I should probably just build and get right. my body healthy and, and do a show when I'm able to do so, because you don't want to delude yourself into thinking, you know, you're better than you are. Or you've made the gains that you haven't, uh, needed to, um, and, and just go compete for the sake of competing. I want to start a prep so fucking bad. I can't even yeah. tell you guys, but am I ready to do it with 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 the things that I've gone through, opening a new business, and the, you know some some body 
problems that I've had with my shoulders and back? Probably not. Um, and it's May and I wanted to start my prep this month. Probably not going to be able to because my body's not there. And you, you know, just don't let yourself out, you know, outthink yourself. And, you know, the, the, the mental and your capacity, uh, to be able to get the strength to train, to recover, to eat your meals, to get the training in day by day, week by week, month by month will lead to the physical gains and the physical improvements to be able to make the improvements and then step on stage and be able to win, uh, as I see it. If I can leave you guys with anything, it's, and, and, you know, I've said this to you, Greg, I've said this on the show before, bodybuilding is one of the few sports where there's no defense. It's only offense. Right. Um, and, you know, you and I coming from a football background, you know, we both know that if we play a perfect game defensively, we cannot lose, right? <laughs> if you will, don't right. allow the other team to score, we can't lose. At worst, we're tying 0-0. Um, but that sport is, this sport is not like that. Um, we can only control what we do, meaning cardio, nutrition, training, recovery, sleep, rest. We can't go, sh- I can't, if, if I'm competing against Greg, I can't go get Little Caesars and shove pizza down his mouth. I can't show up right. to his gym and turn the power off. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't sabotage what he does in the weight room or in front of the dinner table or how much he sleeps. Like, and I think that's really hard for people to come to terms with. Like, you can have the most perfect prep. And I'm going to give you an example of, you know, one of the guys we talk about on here regularly, one of my guys, his name's Roderick. He competed right at, it's well, it's 13 days ago at um, the Malta uh, National Championships in his country. And he got second. The second yeah. year in a row, we have gotten second. And that showed a turn pro for him. And when, when, when he showed up and pumped up backstage, he knew the dude from South Africa was going to beat him. He was just that good. And... We nailed his peak perfectly. He was in the best shape of his life. And yeah. it didn't matter. He, we could not have been harder or drier. And he still yeah. would have lost. And, yeah. you know, that breaks my heart for him. But the good news, and, how, and this shows the mental toughness of that dude. When he got off stage, he was elated because he was like, Chris, that's the best I've ever looked in my entire life. Did we yep. get the result we wanted? No. But he said, there's a European championships in two fucking weeks and we're going to win it. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, send me the plan for tomorrow. And he went out that night uh, with his girlfriend. He had burger and french fries. He woke up the next day. He did his cardio. And we got on plan. And we are one day out. And he looks spot on. And I joked him, like, right before we got on this podcast, we were, he was sending his uh, photos before he goes to sleep tonight. And yeah. um, I was like, man, we have two things to worry about left. If your tan's perfect, and I can't control that, and then when we pull his water. At what time do we pull his water? Outside of that, like, he couldn't be in a better spot. We aren't holding fat. He's full as a house. He's really dry. Like, all we have to do is ensure that his tan's right, and then I stop his water not too soon because, like, for him, if I stop his water too soon, he starts to flatten out. So it's that fine line of when do we cut it? And I already had the plan, but I was like, listen, that could change at any time. So it's one of those things, like, in bodybuilding, in this sport, he was perfect two weeks ago, 13 days ago, but yeah. it wasn't his time. Somebody else showed up better than him and we can't control that. And, you know, a lot of people, in my opinion, get mentally weak in that situation. They're like, well, man, I, I died as hard as I could. I trained as hard as I could and I still lost. And they just let that beat them up. But you have to take that mentality of, okay, we learned a great formula to show up p- perfect. We nailed it on the time we needed to. Now let's just repeat it. 
And right. it, it's that, you know, it's that Rocky statement of, you know, get knocked down 13 times, get back up 14. Yep. Um, that's the mentality that no matter what you're doing, business, training, football, wrestling, um, relationships with your wife or kids, like you can't give up. You have to keep pushing forward and have that warrior's mentality of, you know, not today. Um, I don't know if you guys are Game of Thrones fans, but um, the the girl who uh, went on to kill the Ice King in this past week's episode, he says, she says something really cool. With, and to the lady looks at her and says, what do you say to death? And she looked it dead in the eyes and said, not today. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I like to think about. Like, you know, it, it would be easy, Greg, for you to give up on bodybuilding because your shoulders are fucked up. You didn't get to grow as much as you wanted to in the off season. You know, yeah. as you spoke about, you know, you having those custody battles, opening new gyms, it would be so easy for you to pack it in and say, fuck it. When, I'm just going to yeah. start building my businesses. But you know what? I, I know in my heart that, you have that never quit attitude and you're not going to quit until we redeem ourselves on the national level stage. If you win yeah. and turn pro great, but you want that top call out where you're compared and you look your best and you, if you walk away, you're like, listen, I have no regrets because I've done everything I can to be the best bodybuilder Greg Jones can be. And right. like, that's what I respect about you. That's what I respect about people who have that never die attitude because at the end of the day, it's easy to quit. So many people quit at things, like, but it's the people who dig your heels in and say, fuck you, I'm going to win. Um, that's yeah. what I like. That's what I think the heart of this episode is about. Yep. Guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio. Thanks a lot, and tune in again. Thanks, guys.